What's happening, everybody? This is Topher here, and we hope you are gearing up for a huge, huge week ahead. And it's amazing to think that we're just a few short episodes away from our 200th episode of the Hockey Think Tank podcast. And we started this thing over three years ago now, and it's just so humbling to think that we're still doing this and people are still listening and our numbers continue to grow. Um, we've, we've had so much fun doing this over the past three plus years. We literally had no idea what we were doing when we started this thing. And so we're just very humbled and very grateful that uh, people continue to listen and uh, we feel like we're making a, a positive impact on the hockey world and, and the world at large because obviously not all we talk about is hockey on our podcast and so today uh, just almost in commemoration of, of 200 coming up pretty soon we wanted to throw it back to our first episode and this is actually hilarious I just listened to it before putting it out and uh, we had no idea what we were doing the audio is not great and we certainly are not the uh, the masters of the podcast game like we hopefully are well we're not yet we're we're always trying to get better but um you know we we work really hard on this thing and it's just really interesting to and funny to to hear where we were at three plus years ago when we started so uh this is the the first episode we ever did it was just jeff and i and uh we had no idea where it was going so i'm sure you guys will hear that as we come up and uh just a little bit nostalgic and for everybody that's been with us for a long part of our way you'll get to know jeff on even a different level here it was almost like an interview of of him from me and so we we hope you guys enjoy this uh we want to thank you all for for all the support that you've given us and and just all the love that that has been provided to to jeff and i through this podcast we we so appreciate it and we so love doing it ourselves and we love all of you and uh we just hope you enjoy this episode before we do get there we do want to thank our sponsors we'll make it quick icehockeysystems.com train heroic and gel sticks you guys have supported us for for so much of this little journey that we've been on and we appreciate you guys too so uh without further ado everybody we hope you have a great week and we hope you really really enjoy our our first very 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 unpolished episode that we ever did and uh so here we go with uh just jeff and i and hope you enjoy Welcome, 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 everybody, to the inaugural episode of the Hockey Think Tank podcast brought to you by thehockeythinktank.com. My name is Topher Scott, and I am a founder of the Hockey Think Tank, which is a website that provides a little bit of education and a little bit of inspiration for anybody that loves the greatest game on the planet of hockey. We just rolled out the site about a month ago, and honestly, we cannot thank our supporters enough. The love that you've shown us and the reception for the site, it's just, it's been so much more than we could have ever imagined, and we want to thank you so much for subscribing to the site. And with that, uh, we were so excited uh, to start this podcast in conjunction with the site, and we have some unreal guests lined up, uh, some people including former Denver coach and national champion George Guazdecki. Uh, we have current Miami of Ohio coach uh, Rico Blasi, USA women's Olympic gold medals Kendall Coyne, who is an absolute rock star. Uh, we got people like media big shots, Craig Custance with The Athletic and Barstool Chief from Barstool Sports. And basically what we do is we just sit down with them and, and talk hockey. And it's been so much fun. 
and really, really insightful hearing what they think about the game and just hearing them talk about their journeys through the game has, has been really, really cool. Um, but first, I want to introduce my partner in this crazy little podcast venture uh, who will be riding shotgun with me and our guests. And his name is Jeff Lavecchio, and his hockey journey, honestly, is one of the craziest uh, but most inspiring that I have ever seen. Uh, Jeff grew up in St. Louis, which 20 years ago, you know, was not a hockey hotbed. Uh, but he worked so unbelievably hard and getting uh, ended up getting a, a scholarship to Western Michigan where the guy was named a captain after his freshman year when he became a sophomore, which is just absolutely unheard of and tells you a lot about him. Uh, after three years at Western, he signed a professional contract with the Boston Bruins, which was an absolute dream come true. And then that summer, unfortunately, just a freak training accident on the ice, got a really bad concussion that forced him out of the game for almost a year and a half. And it was a really difficult time, but he used his work ethic and became just really resilient and worked his way back and ended up having a 10-year pro career that just ended this spring. So uh, the guy is just an absolutely amazing human being, and I'm so glad he's on the podcast uh, with me. And also, he's my cousin. So <laughs> we have a lot of fun stories, uh, a lot of war stories about hockey, uh, which are pretty cool as well. And we're really looking forward to bringing some awesome hockey people onto the pod and sharing their stories. But I know first, you guys will all love Jeff's story, and that's what we're going to talk about here today. So wish us luck, and here we go. So Vex, here we are on our first podcast. Let's uh, have you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and a little bit about the start to your journey in the hockey world. Uh, yeah, my name is Jeff Vecchio, obviously uh, your cousin, uh, best man in your wedding, love that. Uh, grew up uh, playing hockey in St. Louis, um, played for the AAA St. Louis Blues, and then actually moved to Chicago for one year and lived a Topher here for uh, midget AAA hockey, playing for the Chicago Chill. Um, shout out Jim Markey, great coach. Uh, then I went to the USHL, played for the Omaha Lancers for three years. Uh, after my third year, got a Division One scholarship to play for Western Michigan University. At the time, they were in the CCHA with you know the big names: Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State, uh, Miami, Ohio schools like that. Um, was named captain as a sophomore, which was pretty cool because uh, I think maybe that year there was only two two or three captains in all of D1 hockey that were sophomores. Um, I wound up signing with the Boston Bruins after my junior season. Finished that year in the American League. Um, did pretty well. It was really exciting. And then, unfortunately, had a, uh, a really, really bad concussion that summer going into what would have been my first full-year pro. And missed uh, 15 months with post-concussion syndrome. Um, it was pr pretty tough, probably the toughest time of my life. Kind of felt like my, all my hard work, my whole life and dreams were slipping away, but found a way back and wound up getting to play 10 years pro. And, um, you know, I got seven NHL preseason games after that. And I got to black ace for the Bruins. Um, you know, I didn't get to play any regular season games, but I was pretty proud that after missing 15 months of hockey, I still battle my way into to seven preseason games. And, you know, I'm, I'm very proud of what I was able to accomplish. And now I'm just, uh, trying to help the next generation 
of hockey players in the St. Louis area. And, uh, I guess even, you know, the world a little bit just got Instagram going, trying to show some of the things that the ways that I train, uh, these guys and girls that I train to, uh, be the best versions of themselves and just retired. Like I said, after my 10th year, um, played over in Europe and Asia for the last six or seven years. And now I'm on a podcast, uh, talking with you. I like it. And, uh, tell our listeners a little bit about your professional career, um, you know, signing with the Bruins, how incredible that was after your junior year in college and, and then going on to play in the AHL and, and then spending some time over in Europe and Asia as well. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I had a really good sophomore year in college at Western. I scored 19 goals and, uh, I had a bunch of NHL teams talking to me and I decided to stay one more year, uh, Western because we, we had a really good year, my sophomore year. And we, we brought the team to where, you know, we wanted it to be. We got ranked actually at the end of the season, my sophomore year, I think we were like 22nd in the country for a little bit. And I was like, you know what? I want to come back one more year and keep this program going in the right direction. Um, but that is not what happened. Um, hindsight 2020, I should have left up to that sophomore year, but, um, you know, we lost some key players. Hey, we had hey, Mark- whoa, whoa, whoa. Yep. Stay in school, kids. Stay in school. Kids. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Stay in school, get your degree. Uh, but for me, you know, my whole, my whole thing was that uh, I can always go back to school and finish. Um, but how many times do NHL teams knock on your door? Um, so, uh, we lost Mark Latestu, who, uh, still in the NHL today and Paul Shahura, who's a stud in the KHL, um, that year. And obviously with the rest of the seniors that left. So our, our, uh, our team wasn't as good the next year, but luckily I still signed with Boston. Um, I went to Providence, like most guys do sign an NHL deal. They'll go to the AHL to finish out the year, kind of get their feet wet, um, kind of like Trent Frederick did last year after he signed and went to Boston. They put him in Providence and he did really well there. Uh, shout out to a St. Louis guy there. I was going to say, um, so stupid. You know, you St. Louis people. Oh my gosh. You guys are crazy. St. Louisans love St. Louis, baby. We got, <laughs> we got, we got a lot of pride for good reason. Um, but yeah, so I went there, I played really well. I actually scored on one of your former teammates, my first ever pro goal in my first game. I scored against, uh, Al Montoya. Oh Yeah. Yeah, yeah. First game in the American League, I had a goal assist, first star, not a big deal. Um, as a grinder, so I was pretty happy with that. And uh, humble brag, you know, humble brag, right there. Uh, well, I got a humble brag. Cause <laughs> no one, no one knows who I am. So yeah, I gotta, I gotta pump my own tires while I can. Um, and by the way, like. I always tell these kids that I train and that I coach, like I always use myself as an example because I know what I did and how hard I had to work to get to where I was. Uh, I don't ever see it as like bragging and you know, I didn't make the NHL, but like I was right there and I signed NHL contracts and I literally think that I wouldn't have made it without my work ethic and, and, um, dedication. So like, I'm, I'm very proud of where I was able to make it. And, uh, you know, so it's not ever really like me bragging. It's just, you know, you know, you know how hard I worked and what I had to go through to, to get even to the level that I was at. And I'm, so I'm, I'm proud of that. But, um, anyways, yeah, not a big deal. Scored on El Montoya first game. Um, and, uh, in the summer I wound up getting a bad concussion, doing some power skating, just kind of a fluke accident. And, you know, had the toughest year of my life there. Uh, didn't play hockey for a long time. Uh, they kept me in Providence and I was driving back and forth to Boston four days a week. I, in retrospect, I should have just lived in Boston, but I was just hoping that, you know, one day I would wake up from, 
from feeling, you know, crappy and I would just be ready to play. And, um, that wasn't the case. It wasn't until I went out to uh, university of Pittsburgh medical clinic, um, probably in February or March of that year. And I saw Dr. Mickey Collins, one of the, uh, leading, um, doctors, neurologists, scientists in the, in the concussion, um, space. And he helped me really get back from it. And I was, I was back in two months after I saw him, like it was, it was unbelievable, uh, how quick the turnaround was as far as me being able to start working out, which I hadn't been able to do. And, uh, and get back to skating. I wound up, I think I finished the year doing two full practices. So then I had the summer to train and, uh, went to Boston's camp. I did rookie camp, did really well there. Uh, went to, uh, Boston's main camp was, you know, a top finisher, if not first in uh, the off ice testing and got to play my first game, real game. I mean, it was preseason was in, uh, Toronto Maple Leafs home rink. And that was, that was pretty cool. Um, after, you know, having about a year and a half of thinking that I'd have to retire before my career even started. That's unreal. That's a, what was yeah, it that, like? What was it like? Like, uh, yeah, I don't know. It was, it was just, Oh man, it was electric. I was buzzing, man. I literally like, I couldn't get tired. I was just so excited to be on the ice and I couldn't believe that I was actually wearing the Boston Bruins Jersey and, you know, thought I was going to have to retire and, and I wound up playing five preseason games that year. And, uh, you know, it's something that I'll never forget. And, uh, you know, I remember like kind of crying to myself actually after the game, just thinking like, you know, nobody could ever take that away from me that, that, you know, I made it to that point. If nothing else, I at least got to that point after such a hard road, uh, over the year and a half before that. Yeah. And what was it like walking into the locker room? Like, I remember you telling me stories about, you know, guys like Chara, uh, guys like Marchand uh, that were established kind of already in the Boston Bruins lore. You know, what was it like? I know you remember talking about Char and how he was an awesome guy and really welcoming right away, which goes along with his character. I think everybody knows that. But describe to us the feeling he had walking into that locker room and seeing all those legends and studs. Uh, well, actually, me and Marshy that year played in the American League on a line together a little bit. And then he got called up and then was never back down again. Um, but, uh, I'll never forget meeting Char. I was in Boston, maybe like a few days before camp and I'm going in the locker room and just kind of meeting some of the guys and talking and I feel a tap on my shoulder and I swear to God, this is like straight out of a movie, but it's a hundred percent true. I turn around and Char is like two feet away from me and I almost turned my chest in between or my head in between his boobies. Like he's <laughs> I just turned around and literally my head was like in his chest and he was like, hello, I'm Zidano. And I was like, oh my God. And he, he like <laughs> just massive, like you literally can't even understand how massive of a human he is. Like head, like my chin, my top of my head didn't even touch his chin. Like he's, you know, I think I'm not a small person, but he made me feel like a little infant, uh, but super nice. Like, you know, talk to me for a few minutes and, and, you know, it's just, it's crazy. And, and another guy who was super nice to me at, in Boston was, um, I mean, they all were nice, but Tim Thomas was an unbelievable guy, like knew my name, like came up after, came up to me after a couple games. And he's like, you know, you're going to play here for sure. Like, I love how you played. And, you know, whether those guys remember me or not, I'm sure they don't, you know, cause they see so many faces every year. Like it's stuff that I'll never forget, you know, hearing from, you know, a Vesna trophy winner and Stanley cup winners and, you know, that, that they're nice to you. Sean Thornton, he was an absolute beauty to me. He took me out to dinner when I had my concussion the year before. And, you know, just these little things that, that, you know, NHL players, they're, they're, they're such good people and they're so welcoming. And, um, 
you know, there's, I, I really think there's no other sport like it as far as the, the personalities you get in hockey. Yeah, yeah, that's unreal. And that must have been just such a thrill at the time. And, yeah, I, I remember hearing stories about Sean Thornton, too, one of my classmates at, at Cornell, Byron Bits. Uh, he signed with Boston, too, and said Thornton was the man and just did anything he could for him and welcomed him, especially Bits. He fought Donald Brazier in uh, in one of his first games in Boston. Oh, yeah. So I think uh, Thornton was pretty excited to see a rookie be doing that. And actually, it was Donald Brazier's 200th fight and Bitsy's first fight in the NHL. Can you believe that? <laughs> yeah, I remember that happening. I, I played with Bitsy, too, and I remember that uh... – I remember that happening. I remember watching that, and I was like, oh, my God. And he cemented himself as an NHL player with that fight. I, I truly think that he fought Bashir, and then I don't know. I don't think he ever played in the American League again, or if he did, it was just, you know, very short stints. But uh, that's a pretty tough customer to add to your list of tilts with. Little bit, little bit. But then he had, you know, he had the whole Boston Bruins, uh, uh, the TD Bank Garden chant his name after he fought Bashir and all that kind of stuff. So that's not bad for, you know, a 25-year-old player coming in playing in Boston to doing that. Um, yeah. But that's uh, oh, that, that's uh, certainly an awesome start to, to your pro career. Um, you know, didn't get to play in any eight. Um, regular season NHL games um, were so so close but talk to us a little bit just about the journey you know and how tough it is to make the NHL and um, just kind of some of the ups and downs you had and uh, throughout that process ups and downs man I mean there that's uh, that's an understatement I mean I I remember when I was younger and I I tell all these kids that I that I coach and train now with the St. Louis AAA Blues organization my first year AAA I was in seventh grade and I legitimately, no joking at all, would play one to two shifts a period. And there were some games where I'd only play two shifts a game. And, um, you know, I was coming from double A hockey where I was kind of the man and I was like, you know, I'm going to go to triple A and rip it up. And there was no training back then, as you know, like for, for, you know, 12, 13, 14 year old kids, like we didn't do anything other than just play and stick handle and shoot maybe in the basement. And I told my parents like, you know, what's going on? Why am I not playing? And what can I do? And thank God my parents were the people that they were and they weren't those, those parents in the hockey world calling the coach and being like, why isn't Jeff playing? They were like, well, if you want this work harder or you're not going to be a hockey player. That was literally, I mean, probably one conversation. And I was like, Oh, all right, well, if it's something I want, I got to work harder. So that summer I went to the rink every single day. Cause my mom worked for a junior team at the rink and uh, four hours a day, I would just skate on the ice by myself and, and shoot pucks and, the next year I got a lot better. I played second line in eighth grade. And then freshman year it was, it was Paul Stasny, uh, myself and another guy named Eric Slace, who, you know, and played with. And who's Paul Stasny. Is he any good in hockey? Yeah, he's all right. He's I okay. guess he's okay. Gotcha. Yeah. He's, you know, not bad. Uh, pretty good career. And, uh, you know, we were dominant and that got my confidence up and I wound up getting to play, uh, you know, for team USA for a tournament overseas. And so did Eric actually. And then I went to juniors and then boom, another down had a groin injury where my groin got torn off the bone from getting hit. Um, but I wasn't having a good season anyways. I, I went there as a skill guy, you know, on top of the world, scoring a lot of goals, whatever. And my coach was like, well, you're not good enough to be a skill guy right now at this level. So I had to turn into a grinder and I was, you know, six foot, 170 pounds soaking wet. And, um, had to completely change my game, even though I wasn't strong and I wasn't tough and, you know, I was like, well, again, this is what I have to do to, to succeed and be good. So I did that, you know, got in a couple fights that year and the next summer just worked my bag off. Like literally 
three hours a day in the gym, like boxing, like doing anything I could to, to get an edge. I remember eating supplements weren't that big back then. And I would come home every single day and I would eat two cans of tuna and three bagels after every workout, like every day. You I know, can't probably, imagine if I did that, I would be like 900 pounds. I don't know how no, you just, do it. <laughs> just a meat, but I, people were like, you need to eat protein. And I was like, all right, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. You know, I didn't have a nutritionist, like had trainers, but I was just like, all right, I'll just eat tuna and two cans of tuna. It is disgusting. I probably have mercury poisoning. Um, but, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I went back the next year and I scored 17 goals and was a power forward and just kind of played that role. And then the next year I scored 18 or 19, went to Western Michigan. And from then it was kind of like, I got dialed in. I was like, all right, I'm not good enough to beat people with my skill um, my limited hands. Uh, so I had to maximize whatever I could. And I did that through training and stretching and finding any, any avenue I could that would make myself better. And, um, you know, from then on, that was just, that was just me. It was, you know, Mike Hastings, who's now coaching, uh, Minnesota state Mankato. Um, you know, he's not an easy guy to play for, but he, he made me dig down deep and honestly evaluate myself every day and, and do those kind of things and, and look at myself and say, like, did I give it everything I had today to get better? And all, not always the answer was yes, but more often than not, you know, my goal was to say yes and literally spend every ounce of energy I could getting better. And, um, you know, there's a lot of people that are a lot better at hockey than me, but I made it pretty far through that, uh, that kind of lifestyle and that mantra and, um, proud of, of what I was able to accomplish and where I got to. Yeah, yeah, for sure. No, I mean, you maximized everything that you had, and that is one of the hardest things to do. As as coaches now, it's one of the hardest things to impart on the kids. It's like, hey, like, there's a lot of really good players out there. It's the ones that dig deep and, you know, get punched in the gut and get back up and get punched in the gut and get back up and, you know, work on the days when they don't really want to work. Like, you know, those are the guys that end up, you know, whether it's you want to play from midgets to juniors or juniors to college or, or college to, to pro, um, you know, it's, it's those kinds of guys. And, and you're obviously a huge, huge, huge inspiration to a lot of people for doing that. But who was your inspiration? Like, who are some people that you saw from a hockey standpoint, whether it was in junior hockey, college hockey, pro hockey, that you think maximized everything that they had to get to where they are as well? Um, you know, I didn't watch a lot of hockey growing up personally, um, which I think really actually hurt my development. Um, once I got to pro, I started watching a lot of YouTube clips of, of players that I liked and that actually really helped my game. And that's something I talked to kids to, uh, talk to kids about now too. Um, but, um, actually the biggest inspiration I had was my dad, like, the guy, I mean, you know my dad, he's your uncle, Philly Cheese, what's up? He is an absolute animal. I mean, I remember growing up and the guy would sleep three, four hours a night, wake up at five, six AM. He's an entrepreneur. He's owned his own business for, you know, twenty plus years. And he would work his absolute bag off all day long. Then he'd come take me to hockey, you know, coach me in hockey when I was a kid, and then maybe go ref some games, because he was a professional ref for a long time. And never complained once. I've never seen the guy ever complain. Um, he would give every last dollar he had to his family, to anyone in need. Um, there were so many kids growing up where he would, um, behind the scenes, pay for them to play hockey, um, whether he had the money or not. And, and it was just something that I was like, 
my dad is an absolute beast. So why don't I do that and just apply that, that, you know, lifestyle to hockey. And that's kind of what I did. I was like, I'm just going to give everything I have to hockey. Um, as far as like people growing up, like I looked up at hockey, I remember getting to juniors and there was just a couple older guys who were always working hard. And I just respected that even when I wasn't the guy who was doing that my first year, a guy named John Togiai, um, he came from the WHL and he was actually a pretty tough fighter and he really got me into working out. We were both injured at the same time. He had an ankle injury. I want to say I had my groin and this guy was just diesel. He was an Adonis. Like I was like, I'll never be like this guy. And he let me work out with him and it just kind of fostered my love for training. And I saw, started to see my body change and my muscles grow and get stronger. And my shot got harder. And I was like, all right, well, like this is the way that will make me better is just like getting in the gym and working out. Um, so I really looked up to him, uh, a lot. Um, how about when you got to the pro game? Was there anybody, you know, in the pro game that you just was like, you know, maybe it was even when you were playing the in the uh, AHL that you were like, yeah, this guy gets it. Like, this guy's going to make it and have a career. And anybody that kind of rubbed off on you in that way? Um, there, There's a lot of guys. I mean, if you're in the American League, you know, I tell people all the time, like, if your goal is to play in the NHL, the second best league in the world is the AHL. Like, obviously, the KHL is probably a little more skilled. Like, there's higher payments in the, in the KHL, obviously, especially for top-end guys. But if you're in the AHL, you're one call away. You're a flight away. And you're playing a, a style of game that's at least mostly similar to the NHL. Um, you're probably playing the same system in the AHL as you are um, for the parent NHL team. So you're right there. So, I mean, so many guys in the American League are extremely professional. And every year it gets more and more professional as far as doing everything you can to maximize your ability so that you can make that jump to the NHL. Um, you know, I was only with Nate Thompson for, you know, a couple months, but I really looked up to him. Um, you know, Byron Bitts. himself a career too, eh? Yeah. Nate Thompson, has he, holy cow. Has, has he ever? He, mur- he murdered the, uh, the AHL, was, you know, a captain and always sticking up for his teammates and always did those little things and did them right. And he was just fun to watch. And it was only a couple months I got to play with him, but I, I definitely looked up to him, a guy named Jeff Hogan. I mean, if you elite prospect, that guy, he probably played pro for 20 years, NHL, AHL all over the place. Um, just a consummate professional, always showing up, giving everything he had. Um, you know, I, I always say there are very few guys I would say that worked harder than me. I'm sure there are guys who worked smarter than me. Um, but you know, as I got older, I tried to work smarter and harder, but Antoine Roussel, I'll never forget that kid playing in the American league. He was getting healthy scratch left and right, but he would fight anyone, literally anyone. He was probably like five eleven, like 180 pounds when he first came in the American league. And I was just like, how is this guy getting scratched? He literally in practice, every drill, a hundred percent. Like, I don't believe in that a hundred, 110%. A hundred percent is giving everything you can. And most people can't dig down deep to give a hundred. This kid gave a hundred percent, every single drill, every single practice, every single game, warm ups before games, he's going a hundred percent. Like he literally willed himself to the NHL. I mean, it's amazing how, and I was talking about him with some other, uh, ex hockey players the other night. Like, it's literally amazing the career that that kid has had strictly based off of work ethic. Um, extremely, extremely impressive. And somebody that I always point to, to these young kids to say like, you know, just watch him on a shift. Like it's not even possible to go that fast and that hard and every shift, but somehow he he's tapped into that, 
that inner strength to just give everything he has. And, and, you know, he's made a career out of, out of his work ethic. Yeah, no, I think that's awesome. I mean, I tell people this stat all the time, especially when I'm doing a lot of my team building stuff. And that's a couple of years ago. It was the 16, 17 NHL season. It was 88% of players that played in the NHL spent time in the AHL. Like that is astounding to me. 88%, nine out of every 10 guys playing the NHL in that season, almost played in the AHL. So it just goes to show you, right? Like it's not always the most talented or skilled guys that make it. It's the guys like the Roussels and the guys like the Hogans that, that end up making it because there's so many ups and downs in a hockey career and a pro career that, um, you know, you got to get lucky. <laughs> so the right guys got to get injured sometimes. Um, and you just got to persevere through a lot of those tough times. And, um, you know, I played in the Central Hockey League and I couldn't tell you how many talented people were playing in the Central Hockey League, but if you ask them why they were in the Central Hockey League, they always tell you it was because somebody screwed them, right? You know, it wasn't my fault. It was, you know, my agent did this or this coach didn't like me and blah, 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 blah. And these are like third and fourth round NHL draft picks five years ago. And then you look at guys that are undrafted going to play in the NHL or low round draft picks or even, you know, there's a lot of high round draft picks that spend time in the AHL too, but, you know, they just, they, they work and they work and they work. And that's the reason why there's so many, you know, blue collar type guys playing pro hockey. And I just, uh, I love that because there's very few guys that can make it to the NHL on skill alone. You know, 10% don't play in the AHL. So um, I always thought that was pretty astounding. Yeah. Well, I mean, even, you know, Brad Marchand's pretty much a household name. So is Tuka Rask, pretty much a household name. Both of them spent a significant amount of time in the American Hockey League. So, you know, it, it just goes to show you everyone's development path is different. And I always say that to these kids too, is it's like, it's a lot harder for the, for kids these days. And even pro guys these days with the, with the age of social media, because, you know, now kids are committing to colleges at 15 and, you know, if one team they're playing on a weekend has three college commitments. It's like, they're just looking at that guy and they're looking at his social media and they're like, well, I'm 15 and he's 15. He's committed. Why am I not committed? And then they start to get nervous and they get stressed. And then they're always on their phone looking at what so-and-so is doing. And, you know, we were lucky that we didn't have any of that. Like I didn't even have a cell phone when I so lucky. I am so lucky that that we didn't grow up in that age today. I, I would be a completely different person if I grew up in today's day and age. That's for sure. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, I, I really do think that, you know, people are like, oh, kids are soft these days, but it's like, well, you, you, you didn't grow up with what they have available to them. And yes, there's a lot of positives, but there's also a lot of negatives. Um, you know, always, always being able to compare yourself and always looking at, you know, where's so-and-so and all oh, he's doing this. And last year, you know, I scored more goals than him, but it's like, you can't worry about those things. Like literally all you can do is, Take what happens to you, what happens for you, react in a positive way, learn from things and get better. Like you were talking about the guys in the CHL that were, that were fourth rounders in the NHL and all of a sudden they're in the CHL. And you know, a lot of those guys are, the reason they're there is because they're the kind of person who would say, oh, it's so-and-so's fault. So-and-so screwed me. My agent screwed me. And it's like, all right, even if he did, what did you do after to bring yourself back to the level that you needed to be at? Or what did you do in response to your agent screwing you? Or what did you do when that team didn't want you anymore? It's like, did you sit in the closet and sulk and cry? Or did you use that as fuel and go out there and do everything you can to make yourself better and prove people wrong? Because that happens every day. And, you know, it's obviously a small percentage, but that's what you need to do. You need to react to things and turn them into fuel for you not a pity party because you know you're not getting anywhere doing that 
Oh, yeah. And it's so easy to throw yourself a pity party, the harder thing to do. And that's why it's so hard to be freaking great is that working hard, That's it's called hard work for a reason because it's hard. <laughs> and you got to do it on days that you don't want to do it. You don't feel like doing it. And you got to do it more than your competition, you know. And, like, if you're sitting on the outside looking in of a lineup or you want to play on a higher line, like, it's not like – you know, what, what can I do to impress the coach? It's like, you can just play better and you can work harder and that's, what's going to get you there. And I think a lot of the successful people that are playing nowadays, they have that attitude and, oh my God, we're just trying so hard to instill it on the kids that we coach. And, um, it's an uphill battle for sure, but it it needs to be said. And I think that's the number one thing that, uh, any kid or anybody that has aspirations to do anything in life, especially in hockey, they got to learn is that, Hey man, if you want to do it, it's up to you. It's really up to you. And you might not get the result that you want to, but at the end of the day, if you can fall asleep knowing that you did everything that you did today to get better, like that's that's all that matters. And, and that's what you epitomize, and that's what a lot of people that uh, you know get to where they want to go and, and ultimately reach their dreams epitomize. And, and uh, um, I think it's, it's, it's really cool. Like what's that line from uh, the movie um, with the girls' baseball movie? Do you remember that movie? A League of Their Own? Yeah, a League of Their Own, right? Tom Hanks is sitting there in front of the bus, and he's talking to the catcher that wants to quit, and she's saying how it's too hard, and he he just stops her right there, and he's like, well, it's the hard that makes it great. If it was easy, everybody would do it. And yeah. just, that's kind of a line that I've always <laughs> tried to think by. Is that what that's from? I literally said that in the gym last night to the boys. Really? They're like, oh, "Oh, real original Vex. Because I always say if it was easy, everyone would be good. If it was easy, everybody would be in the NHL. If it was easy, everybody would be jacked like me. Absolutely. That's Tom. Oh, everybody would be jacked like you. Yeah. Oh, boy. Oh, Oh, my goodness. There's the uh, humble brag again. I love it. Um, No. But, yeah, dude, that's Tom Hanks. That's Tom Hanks right there in the league of their own. Wow, that's funny. Yeah, I literally say that probably ten times a day to to, to these kids and these guys and and girls that I train too. But uh, yeah, it's like you said though. If you can learn to first control what you can control about yourself and your own game, um, then you move up the ladder to the team game. You know, if if everyone focused on being the best version of themselves and then play within the team structure, your team will win. It will be better. Like it's, I mean, it's just it's simple to me, but most people that when they're not playing or they're not playing well, they start pointing fingers. Oh and it's my like, God. Oh. Those people are absolutely miserable to be around. Like those are the kind of guys, like it's so much fun to be in a hockey locker room. Uh, like just, you know, shooting the breeze and telling stories and just like talking to each other and all that kind of stuff. And then there's that guy that you're talking about that walks in. That's like always the complainer. And literally he can walk into a locker room and everybody will just like kind of tense up. And be like, yeah. oh crap, this guy's here. What's like, oh man, like he's just an energy vampire sucking the fun out of everything. Just like, don't be that guy. Kids, don't be that guy. <laughs> it's the oh. worst. Oh my God. Do we have the same brain? Did we just become best friends? Like literally, <laughs> literally, like uh, that's one of the speeches I give to these, these teams is um, there's two types of people in the locker room, energy suckers, energy vampires, and people that are energy givers, people that inject the room and inject the team and inject practice with energy. And it's crazy how, um, you know, one energy vampire can literally just create the fastest domino effect ever because 
working hard is like you said, it is hard. So, you know, somebody's having a bad day and he starts complaining or bitching about the coach or he doesn't like the practice or his playing time. It's pretty easy to jump on that bandwagon. And I'm sure even the most positive people like you and I have gotten sucked in and you got to stop it and be like, you know what? Like, no, like, let's be positive. Like the easiest thing is just nip it in the bud right away. Be like, you know what, man? Like, let's have fun. We're playing hockey. We could be over, you know, in Afghanistan getting shot at. That's what I say to kids. Like you're, <laughs> you could be in Afghanistan getting shot at right now or Iraq or wherever there's a war today, but you're playing hockey. I don't care how tough you think today is. Your life is not tough. You're playing the sport you love. Put a smile on your face. Go bang some bodies, bury a goal, and make the sickest celly ever. And then you'll have fun, and then everyone else will see how much fun you're having. And then you'll everyone will have fun, and you'll work harder. Like, playing hockey should be fun. Even if you're having the worst day ever, the worst game ever. Like, turn it on its head. Think about what you're doing, what you could be doing in this world, and have fun, and everything else will take care of itself. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think it's one of those things, too, where it's all about perspective. I think perspective is, like, one of the most powerful things ever. And, you know, when I talk to the teams that I talk to when I'm doing my team building, it's one of the things I ask them, like, all right, why do you play hockey? Like, literally, why do you play hockey? And their answer is always the same. Well, it's because I, I love it. Like, I love to play. And then I ask them, well, how often do you think about that? Like, when you walk into the rink, like, how often do you think about that's why you're, you're here? And they're like, oh, crap, never. <laughs> like I'm always thinking about the things that are outside my control, right? Like I'm thinking about what line I'm going to be on or what kind of coach, what kind of mood the coach is in or, you know, who's going to be playing on my line and all that kind of stuff. And it's like, man, like at the end of the day, like you get to freaking play hockey right now. And for us old farts that don't get to play anymore, like we would kill to be in that position again. It's, it's just one of those things where it's like, we're so lucky to have been doing what we were doing and the kids that are doing it right now, like, it's just such an awesome opportunity. Like, don't waste it. Don't waste it. You know what I mean? No, no. And, and one of the one of the best pieces of advice is, advice I ever got was from Mike Hastings um, in Omaha. And I, I repeat this every year to every single guy I train and every new client meeting I have with a high-level high player is, um, whether they're pro or, you know, a 16-year-old kid is, you don't want to look back five years down the road or 10 years down the road, be sitting in a bar with your friends, watching a hockey game where somebody, you know, is playing on TV going, I, I wish I would have went to the gym with that guy more, or I wish I would have done X or I wish I would have done Y or I wish this, I wish that I wish I would have went to sleep better. I wish I would have, you know, eaten better. If only I would have done this, who knows what could have happened. And that really stuck with me. And that that's one of the things that really motivated me to leave nothing on the table. If it was eating better is going to get me my help, help me reach my goals in hockey. I'm going to eat as clean as I can. If sleeping better is going to help me perform better, I'm going to work on getting the correct sleep and quality sleep and the right amount of sleep. Um, so like all those little things that you can do, do them now because once you're done, like you're done. Like I, I, I knew after my last game, uh, last season, uh, I guess it would have been in like March, probably over in Europe, that that was going to be the last real hockey game I ever played for the rest of my life. No goal I ever scored from that game on will ever matter. You know, for real again, you know, no hit I make will ever help a team win. No amount of blocking shots, uh, which I tried not to do towards the end of my career. Uh, <laughs> no, no, uh, would, would ever get the boys going like, like those in those games. And, 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 you know, you can never go back and, and, and you can't go back in time. Um, so right now, 
if hockey's what you want to be good at or school's what you want to be good at or whatever it is, literally give it everything you have because you can never go back. Yeah, and you know what the other thing too is like there are very few people, maybe you might be the only person that I've ever met, but like there maybe you're you're not even like this, but there are very few people that can do that on their own. So like if you really want to reach your potential and you want to be that guy that works harder than everybody else, like don't do it by yourself. Like take somebody with you, have somebody that like has to be there. So on the days that you really don't feel like doing it, you know, like, oh man, I know that that guy's showing up. So I got to freaking go. And, uh, that's something I learned. Um, Matt Molson was like that. Like he was always a guy that like, he would never do extra skill stuff or skating stuff or anything like that on his own. Like he always brought somebody with him. I played with him at Cornell. He was a junior when I came in as a freshman and like Molson was a guy that like, you know, like he couldn't skate very well. Like he could really, really score, but he had so many flaws in his game, but he just worked and he worked and he worked. But if you ever saw him working, it was never on his own. Like he was always bringing somebody with him. And, you know, he's the guy, like when he was playing for the Sabres, like Eichel lived in his basement, his, uh, his rookie year. And, uh, like Tavares is, uh, he grew up playing hockey with Molson's uh, little brother, you know, so Tavares got most to, to the Islanders and basically gave most, 30 goals a year for three years. Too. <laughs> um, but like, th- that's the other thing too, is like, like if you're competitive and hockey players are competitive, like why do it on your own? Like bring somebody with you and just that little extra competition, that little extra positive peer pressure. You know, I think that's so huge. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's massive. And, um, you know, it's like the, it's like the body system from, uh, heavyweights. <laughs> it's like Lars said, you know, you got to have a buddy, grab a buddy and you know, it's only going to hold you accountable. Um, I mean, I was definitely no lunch reason, today because of lack of hustle <laughs> yeah, deal with it. Um, I, I was lucky because I mean, I got slapped around by Hastings and, uh, not not physically actually, but uh, you know <laughs> mentally, mentally in Omaha. But I was soft when I went there, and it definitely hardened me up. And that was the turning point in my life at at 17 years old to being like, you know what, I'm never going to be called soft again. I'm never going to have this happen. So um, that's what really pushed me to be like, you know what, I'm gonna. I loved proving people wrong. Somebody said, oh, you won't be able to do this. I was like, f that, f you. I'd write their name on a board in my room, or I'd be like, you know. I will do this and I would go out and try and prove people wrong. Um, I'll definitely say though, the one thing that I never really liked doing, um, with training off the ice was, uh, cardio. I always, I always hated that. Um, I would do it no matter what, but, uh, we had a great group of guys training together in St. Louis, uh, Sean Muncie and Travis Turnbull and our trainer, Don Jupp, who's actually, uh, Austin Matthews trainer, um, in the summers. Uh, yeah, I guess he's good. Um, yeah, Don, Donnie would write out the plan and then, you know, we had a bunch of, a bunch of pro guys that would, would train together in St. Louis. And we really, we, we really did a good job of holding each other accountable and pushing each other. And, um, you know, it definitely, definitely helped us to, uh, to not slack off that day. I mean, I don't think I would have without them, but at the same time, maybe I wouldn't have run as fast in those sprints and those shuttles and, and stuff like that, but they were good at the cardio and I was good at the strength part. So, you know, we, we, we picked partners that complemented our strengths and weaknesses to, uh, to always be pushing each other and it worked. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, I am really looking forward to doing this podcast with you, brother. And, uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to get a lot of awesome guests, 
to come on and, and interview and stuff. And again, this is a podcast. If you like talking hockey or you like listening to people talk hockey, um, you know, we'll be talking about a lot of the things that we did. And, and for me, you know, I think that for any kid that's listening to this right now, um, you know, Jeff is the kind of guy that uh, did everything that he could in his hockey career and, and really maximized all the all the gifts that God had given him and got extremely, extremely far. And uh, hopefully you guys took something out of his journey and his story. And uh, I'm really looking forward to teaming up with you, man, and, and talking to some other people to uh, give some people advice and um, just tell stories about some good hockey times. And uh, I think this is going to be a lot of fun. So really looking forward to it. And uh, Pitter Patter, let's get at her. Yeah, I'm stoked, brother. And real quick, people who are listening to this, if anyone's even listening to this, other than my mom, <laughs> other than my mom and yours, um, don't sell yourself short, man. You're fuck. Whoops, you're uh, five four, and you scored over a hundred points in college hockey, and you're the captain of Cornell. Um, I was five six it. on skates. Just yeah, no, you know. he, he, no, you weren't. Actually, uh, no. well, here I'll tell you a funny story, quick. So at, when we were playing in the USHL, they always had central scouting come, you know, and they had did all your like heights and weights and stuff. Yeah. So you know how they put like the ruler or not the ruler, but the tape with uh, the measurements for how tall you are on the wall. Yeah. You didn't even make it to the bottom. Yeah. So like, yeah. So like everybody <laughs> always talks about like the weight thing, right? Like you always put like pucks in your, you know, in your socks yeah. or pucks in, you know, whatever to have a little bit more weight. So yep. I get up uh, for me, I, you know, I, that wasn't a big issue for me, but the size thing, little, little bit of an issue, no pun intended. Um, but yeah, so I get up to, and I go back to the wall and the freaking tape starts at five, six and I'm like oh two to three God. inches under that. So like the guy who's, who's doing all the measuring, he kind of looks at me and he gives me a wink and he goes, yeah, I think we'll just give you five, six. And I was like, all right, nice. <laughs> Oh my God. So, that's unbelievable. Oh man. It was like, it was great, but I've always been five, six in the program ever since. So it's Not, been, uh, it's been good. <laughs> yeah. In your bra. Nobody believes bra. that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, I'm really looking forward to this and, uh, yeah, stay tuned. Stay tuned. We'll have a few more podcasts coming for, coming up for you and, uh, hope you guys enjoyed listening today and, uh, Vex, we will be talking to you shortly. Sounds good. Boom roasted. <laughs> All right. See you, man.